We are now going to hear from the Bible. Um, Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 to 31. So that's Matthew chapter 24, starting at verse 1. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked. I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of his house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is, out in the desert, do not go out. Or, here he is, in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. This is God's word. Let me have my welcome. Uh, My name is Matt. If we've not met, uh, great to gather together. Let's pray. Let's pray as we turn to look at Matthew 24. 
Our great God and Father, thank you that you give us what we need. And your word gives gives us all that we need, even here in the warnings of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for our concern. That may not be the first thing, but that we'd love to hear this evening. But we know we need it because you're a father who cares deeply for his children in his provision. So help us hear these words, these warnings and encouragements rightly. And therefore respond with lives to you. Amen. Amen. Uh, Now the world will end in the year 2032. Just so you know, according to Ukrainian astronomers, uh, that was their uh, issue uh, last year, last October actually, made the press sort of vaguely. Uh, 2032, a comet is going to hit the earth and it's a big one so it'll destroy us. Now, what do you do with something like that? Well, if you're NASA, you say, oh, that's quite interesting. Let's have a look. No. So uh, NASA looked at their evidence and said, no, no, fear not, everyone. There's a 99.9% chance that this asteroid will miss us. So probably we're all right. But the Ukrainians are absolutely persuaded, 2032, and that's it. The world will end. Now, everyone agrees that the world will end at some point. Could be 20 billion years in the future. But How? And lots of people quite like the sort of dramatic ending, of course. So whenever there's a sort of virus, people get very excited, put their white masks on their faces. I'll be fine, I've got a white mask. But some think it'll be, uh, the doctors in particular just laugh at that, ridiculous people. But some people think it'll be that, a sort of SARS or something like that, will wipe out the world. I read an interview recently, uh, last month, with Stephen Hawkins. His great concern, see, brilliant physicist, he says this world will end... When machines kill all the humans. Now, I think I've seen a film about that. (laughs) Or maybe two, Matrix, Terminator, those sort of things. But he says, no, look, artificial intelligence is growing so very, very quickly that unless human beings genetically engineer themselves to go faster than AI, we're going to get overtaken by the computers and they're going to kill us all. Okay. See, everyone thinks the world's going to end, but how's it going to happen? Imminently? Don't know about that. It'll end. You come to a chapter like Matthew 24 and Jesus says, yeah, yeah, the world will end when I come back. And before then, oh, there'll be plenty of alarmist claims. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by them. Now, these two chapters, Matthew 24 and 25, it's essentially one sermon. Uh, Jesus, uh, chapter 24, verse 1, he's left the temple, walking away. That's it, he's done with his public ministry. No more teaching of the crowd. So it's just him and the disciples now, chapters 24 and 25. And it's one long sermon. Essentially, chapter 24, between my resurrection and my return, the world is going to look like this. And so, chapter 25, live like that. That's how the two chapters work. Here is normal experience in this world, chapter 24. Here's what you can expect. Therefore, application, chapter 25. It's just my sort of defensiveness as a preacher, as well as explaining to you the text, that all the application comes in the next few weeks. Okay, just so you know. Okay. That's how the text works. And essentially, chapter 24, Jesus just wants to get our expectations correct for life in this world. And it works a bit like, we'll see as we go through. If you have a sober theology, you'll be stable emotionally. 
And that's what Jesus wants. Don't be disturbed. Don't be deceived. Don't be upset. Don't emotionally fall apart. If you have a sober theology, you'll be stable emotionally, is what you see in chapter 24. Okay, let's pick it up then. Uh, uh, Chapter 24, verse 1. Jesus left the temple, was walking away, when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Oh. Oh. Now, the temple in Jerusalem was the great wonder of the world at that time. It was massive. This is the kind of call it third temple, Solomon's, Nehemiah's, Herod rebuilds Nehemiah's, so call it the third temple. Uh, but it was massive, it was vast, it dominated Jerusalem. A quarter of the footprint of Jerusalem was the temple. You went to Jerusalem, you saw the temple. The stones on it are uh, uh, about 40 foot long, massive carved things, uh, weighing 100 tons. It was the glory of the Jewish nation. It's their pyramids, it's their Taj Mahal, it's everything. It's a commercial centre as well as a religious one shouldn't have been but it was Uh, it really is everything it's a magnificent building you see that says Jesus yeah we see the temple it's going to be destroyed oh and so they walk to the Mount of Olives it's about a 15 minute walk something like that so we go down a bit and up a bit and from the Mount of Olives you get a magnificent view across at Temple Mount you can still see the remnants of it of course uh, today And the disciples, well, they come to Jesus, verse 3. They come to him privately and say, "Uh, tell us, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So two questions. The temple is going to go, whoa, whoa, that's massive. When? How do we know? When will it happen? What are the signs? But see what Jesus' concern is. Jesus answered, Here, you've asked me two questions. Here's my response. Verse 4, don't be deceived. Well, that's not what we asked. Yeah, who cares about that? Watch out, verse 4, that no one deceives you. That's the issue. Most of this chapter, then, is a warning against, I guess, what do you call it, end-time teachers... So who warn against false Christs, verse 4, false prophets, verse 11, false Christs and false prophets in verse 24. And so it would be crazy if we made the same mistake. Chapter 24 is not designed to make us good fortune tellers, but good followers. It's not here so you, you know, let's pin down these dates and this has happened. Well, that must be that and that must be going on in the world. So Jesus is about to return tonight. No, 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 don't do that. You won't know when I'm coming back. It's not designed to make us fortune tellers, but good followers. That's the purpose of the chapter. Get your sober theology and you'll be stable emotionally. So two points. Two points. Stand firm in days of distress, which is the bulk of the chapter, 4 to 28. And then we'll briefly look look forward to Jesus' return, verses 29 to 31. Most of our time is this first one then. Verses 4 to 28. Stand firm. In days of distress. Jesus says these are the sorts of things that will happen between my resurrection and my return. These sorts of things. And I've given you a little checklist. You can even tick them. Boxes there. And we'll work our way through them. 
at a reasonable lick. So here are the sort of things you can expect. First, verses 4 and 5, deceivers. Verse 4, Jesus answered, Watch that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. It's a bit dispiriting, isn't it, as a start? Many will come and deceive many. Oh, a bit disappointing. And of course, what does it mean to come in Jesus' name? Well, sometimes people do that literally. Half of you won't remember, uh, what year was it, 1991? Uh, uh, David Icke, who was a popular sports presenter of the day, sort of Gary Lineker on the BBC, turned up on Terry Wogan's chat show, 7 o'clock, primetime TV, yes, this is a while ago, um, and uh, claimed that he was the son of God. And that he was dressed in turquoise to help him communicate with God in heaven, and that the world will ne- end next year in uh, uh, floods and natural disasters. You can Google YouTube David Icke 1991. It's deeply embarrassing to watch. The whole audience is laughing at him. The man was ruined uh, by this experience. And so now he's making a comeback tour and says, actually, the world is run by reptiles dressed up as humans. I don't know what you do with that. I mean, what do you do with that? Um, uh, and he's right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Don't be deceived. Okay. But obviously not. Now you get some people like that. But of course more dangerous are those who claim to be messiahs. Of course, every so often, a few years after that, in, was it 93, you got David Koresh, Waco, Texas. No one will remember this. Not many will but said he was the Messiah and caused hundreds of people to commit suicide alongside him. Follow me, says the Messiah. Well, in a slightly different way, even, even in London, in the bombings a while ago, isn't it, 05? But following, you know, powerful orator, orators, preachers, these fundamentalists thinking, what if I follow him, I'll go, you know, I follow this Messiah, he tells me, If I die killing the infidels, I'll go to heaven. There's nothing new here. Jesus said it happened then. You have political messiahs as well, of course. Someone like, you know, the the obvious examples of the 20th century, the Hitlers who set themselves up as messiahs. And even, you know, in the last few years, it is, of course, when when things are bad economically or politically in a country, when in times of trouble, that's when people start following the messiah figure. The one who offers very simple explanations. You get political messiahs as well, of course. Don't be deceived, says Jesus. If people come and set themselves up as a messiah, don't be deceived by that. Deceivers. Tick. Plenty of them around. Wars, verses 6 to 8. And of course, this is timelessly true. Verse 6, you'll hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are just the birth pains. These things are timelessly true. Wars. Of course, most famines in the world are caused by civil wars. Normally, of course. These things will always happen. The planet is fallen and crying out for Jesus' return. Verse 8, it's like birth pains. When a woman goes in, when a woman has contractions and goes into labor, it might be super quick and straightforward. It might be prolonged and painful. You don't know how long it is, says Jesus. But you know that at the end there's something good. 
It's just like this world, he says. These signs, they're just the birth pains. Are they going to be quick? Are they going to be long? You don't know, but there's a good thing to come. The baby will arrive. But you see his point, his imperative, the, 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 the command of this section, it comes in little verse 6. See to it that you are not alarmed. Don't be alarmed when these things happen. They must happen. Why is Jesus telling us all this? It's all a bit glum, isn't it, really? There's going to be false teachers and wars. Oh, we know, we read it in the press. It's gloomy enough. Don't be alarmed, says Jesus. It must happen. Why must it happen, Jesus? I'm not telling you now. That's annoying, I know. But I'm in control. It must happen. It's not random, out of control. Don't be alarmed. Have a sober theology. You'll be stable emotionally if you expect these things. There'll be wars, there'll be hatred and betrayal. Gets, uh, this is the low point, really, of the whole chapter, verses 9 to 12. Jesus moves from uh, events sort of generally in the world to inside the church. So verse 9, then, don't worry about the word then, it's not a temporal word, you get it about 10 times in the chapter, it's just a conjunction moving things on, it's not a, a next and next and next. But then you'll be handed over to be persecuted, or you'll be handed over to distress. It's the same word as in verse 21. There'll be great distress. Verse 29, immediately after the distress, there will be distress. And the church, Christians, will be handed over to distress, verse 9, and put to death. And you'll be hated by all nations because of me. Jesus, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if a supposedly tolerant society eventually comes to the point where it says, we don't like the exclusive claims of Jesus Christ and wants to marginalize, sideline, dislikes, hates you. Don't be surprised by that. I mean, here is elsewhere. Jesus would say, if you want the applause of the world, don't become a Christian. There are many easier ways to pursue the world's acclaim and applause than becoming a Christian. And of course, let me just nuance this slightly, because the Bible has two things to say. You get plenty of passages, uh, uh, John 13, by this the world will know you're my disciples if you love one another. 1 Peter 2, Christians live such good lives amongst the unbelievers that they, although they may um, uh, dislike you in one sense, they'll look upon your good deeds and glorify God when he returns. So the, the Bible insists, or the New Testament, two things. If Christians live distinctive lives, some will look on and say, wow, that's very interesting, I want to join them. But others will look on and say, I hate that. I'd expect both, the New Testament would say. Here, Jesus' emphasis is on, we expect people not to like it when you live distinctively as a Christian. Just bear with me for one moment. You do see, don't you, verse 9, Jesus says this. Jesus says it. You can't get away from that. Every now and again, someone will say, you know what, sometimes I think the teaching at church, people do straight, you know, we are told it's difficult to, to live the Christian life. Yeah, it's, the Christian life is wonderful, it's glorious, it's the best way to live your life, but it's hard, you can't get away from that. Jesus says that. And if you don't get both halves of that, you're being fed a lie. You know that, don't you? You can't escape. 
Jesus' words. And what will happen, verse 9, when it's a bit like this? Verse 10, at that time many will, oh, turn away from me, or turn away from the faith, and betray and hate each other. I wonder if you thought it odd when Will prayed, Lord, we ask that we won't hate one another. You think, well, it's a funny thing to pray. Well, it is one, it's just what he's saying here. He's just, just praying the Bible here. We don't want that to happen. Verse 11, many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Ouch. Ouch. Most, Jesus? Yeah, no one likes to be on the losing team. And there'll be times in this world when it looks like being on Jesus' team is the losing team. People don't like that. They'll jump teams. There's a part of us which is just like a seven-year-old schoolboy. Which football team do you support? Manchester United. Uh, no, Manchester City. Uh, uh, Chelsea. And they just jump around because they, don't really, they just want to be on the winning team. They want to be on the team that wins all the time. Some adults are like that with football. Um, but it would be like that with Christian things, says Jesus sometimes. The thing that struck me here, false prophets will appear and deceive many people. What's the nature of the deception according to this little section, verse 11. False prophets will appear and deceive many people. How will that happen, Jesus? Well, verse 12, because of the increase of wickedness. That's a bit too strong, literally lawlessness. Because of the increase of rejecting God's ways, the love of most will grow cold. So the false prophets, according to this little section of verse 11, some will come and stand up at churches and say... The world has moved from what the Bible teaches and it's just, well, it's just too costly to live the Bible's way. So be half-hearted, be lukewarm, be Christians, but just don't live Jesus' way. Now, no one stands up and puts it quite that bluntly. No one wears a black hat and says, I have a false prophet upon it. No one does that. That would be useful, but they don't. But that sort of thing is what Jesus is describing here. Many will stand up and offer a Christianity light. Don't commit yourselves. Don't sacrifice anything to be a Christian. For goodness sake, it's too costly. Just follow Jesus well, in a sort of English, middle class way. Do that. That seems to be the nature of the falsehood here. So Jesus wants to get his expectations clear, verse 13. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. I want you, says Jesus, to have a sober theology. Then you'll have emotional stability. I want you to stand firm. You've got to know this is going to go on, he says. There'll be hatred and betrayal. Next little thing on the tick list. Uh, the gospel will spread. Oh, that's more positive. Great. Um, so let's have a little look at that. So the gospel will spread. Verses 13 and 14. So verse 13. Uh, uh, because of, the, excuse me, he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world. As a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Brilliant. So while all this is going on, says Jesus, don't be too discouraged because the gospel will spread and you could e e encourage yourself with things you know in the year 1900 
there were 8 million Christians estimated south of the Sahara. In the year 2014, 335 million. That's good growth. Oh, it's taken a few years. That's good. You take that in percentage terms. It's better than getting your bank account. Or you could say, uh, uh, I read in the Times newspaper that there are 58 million Protestant Christians in China today. I know you can quibble with these figures. But by 2020, excuse me, by 2025, it's estimated the number will be about 160 million in the next 11 years. 58 to 160. That's phenomenal. And that is in a place where at times you are hated for being a Christian. Not always. But in some settings, in some cities, you'll be hated. And there'll be betrayal. People from churches will dob you into the authorities. Tough. But the gospel spreads. Just so we're clear, when Jesus says this gospel will spread, verse 14, which gospel? Well, presumably the gospel of verse 13. Life will be tough sometimes, but if you stand firm, you'll be saved. This gospel, he says, this gospel I'm talking to you now, there's not a lot of gospel, there's not a lot of good news here, Jesus. Yeah, there is. It'll be tough, but if you endure, you'll be saved. And that'll go forth, and loads of people will believe that, you know. It'll be very wonderful. The gospel spreading. Uh, 15 to 21, next little thing. Example, says Jesus. So stand firm in the days of distress. These sorts of things will take place between my uh, resurrection and my return. But example, case study in point. In a few years' time, Jerusalem will be destroyed. That's what he's talking about here. Verse 13. So when you see in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. In other words, just go away and read the book of Daniel. You'll get it. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of the house go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. Interesting. For then there will be great distress, persecution, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. So here's a prediction of the events of AD 70 when Roman troops came invaded and uh, uh, the, the, uh, the Roman general Titus stood in the temple and desecrated it. These verses then, 15 to 21, they say it'll be awful and it was. So Josephus records that 1.1 million people were killed in the city of Jerusalem. Over 100,000 taken prisoners of war. They were Those taken prisoners of war, some were enforced at sword point to become cannibals of their countrymen. Horrific. In percentage terms, there's never been such a high massacre of a city. So in that very real sense, verse 21 is true. This will be unequal distress from the beginning of the world until now in terms of percentage of a people being killed. And of course, Jews mourn the event every year. If you ever go to Jerusalem, the remaining wall, the wailing wall, thousands will gather there every uh, Friday to commemorate this. It's burned in. And yet Jesus says, this is just like a trailer for the film. In three minutes, you get a sample, a taste of what the film's going to be like. The destruction of Jerusalem is just a foretaste of what will take place at the end of time. Just a hint. Just so you know, 
says Jesus. Just so we're all clear. Last thing uh, on this little list then, further. There'll be further deceivers, verses 22 to 28. We won't go through it in detail, but it's just more of the same in one sense. Uh, verse 22. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. I think those days is not a reference just to 15 to 21, but a reference to the whole chapter. Because he's talking again about false prophets and false Christs. He's spoken of those already. He talks about the elect for their benefit. The elect are always Jew and Gentile for Jesus. They are a little later on down in verse 31. So 15 to 21, just Jerusalem here. He's back to the whole big picture. These sorts of things will take place throughout the whole of history. And what's going to actually happen? Well, verse 24, false Christs and false prophets, brings together those two titles, will appear and perform many signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. I've told you this ahead of time. Oh, the church will get itself into a real pickle. There'll be signs and wonders Oh, there'll always be people doing miracles. There'll always be churches where people say, come and see my miracles and do... There'll always be that sort of thing. How do you know if it's true or not? It doesn't say here, but Matthew 7, Jesus talks about false prophets, false miracles. How do you know true from false? The true ones do the will of my Father. The false ones do not. Oh, there'll always be signs and miracles. Genuine Christians, complete charlatans. Don't be taken in by that. That is not a mark of what is true or what is false. Obedience, according to Jesus, Matthew 7. Doing the will of God my Father. That's how you know if someone is true or legit that way. Don't be naive, says Jesus. And verse 26 again, the last little bit. Don't be naive about when I'm going to return. If anyone tells you, there he is, out of the desert, don't go out. Or, here he is in the inner rooms, don't believe it. As lightning comes from the east, is visible in the west. It's really obvious, in other words. Or whenever there's a carcass there, the vultures will gather. It's really obvious when something has died in that part of the world because the vultures come in and uh, all attack it. You'll know. You'll know when I'm coming back. Now, that's jolly, isn't it? Jesus what a lovely list. You've got, well, there's one nice one in the middle. The gospel will spread. We'll sort of hang on to that one and say, well, that's good and probably trying to raise the rest. Don't try and raise the rest. Why does he do this? It's so we keep going when life is difficult. It's why he takes this long chapter to do it. Uh, back in the Sabbath, someone will know, um, we went to, uh, uh, as a family, we went to visit very dear friends who are out in Borneo, the island of Borneo. They're in Brunei, the sultanate there. Yeah, the, uh, the, the bloke is commanding the British forces. And uh, he was on leave when we went out to visit them for a few weeks. And uh, one day he said, oh, I've just got to go into the office and meet the nutters. Right, who are the nutters? Oh, they're those who uh, volunteer for special service training. Okay, why do you call them the nutters? Because they're nuts. Yes, very good. But why in particular? Well, you can come along and, you know, okay, what's going on then? So, especially, I didn't know anything about this, but if you want to volunteer for the special services in the, uh, in the British Army, you have to have done three years as a soldier. And then you have six months training. They'll start off with about 100 on the course, and they're looking to get about six or eight out of it. So they'll whittle it all the way down. 
And uh, the six or eight, they are, you know, they're the real, <laughs> they're the real guys. They're pretty full on. So, um, you know, for the first half of it, they're in the Brecon Beacons doing their training there. And then they fly them to, uh, to Borneo and uh, for six weeks. And here's the pattern. Okay, fellas, for six weeks, we're throwing you into the jungle and we give you jungle training. And uh, for six weeks, you'll learn what it's like just to have the rain miserably pelt you every day and for everything to be damp. And nothing gets dry in the jungle. And if you cut yourself, it will not heal because of the dampness there. And every night, no matter how well you prepare, the insects will get in and they will attack you. And you will get diseases. And you will be uh, attacked by all sorts of wild boars and animals. And we're going to put you there for six weeks. And then we put you on, and then you have a month where you just have to hide. Um, uh, you have to hide away. What do they call it? Um, I can't even remember. Survive and evade. Uh, and you do that for a month. And you just have to not be caught. Uh, by the, the Gurkha soldiers who are going to be looking for you. And so we're going to send you off with 25 kilos on your back with your rifle. And, uh, and so you can have some water and off you go. Last year, three men died on the exercise. Any questions? Well, I wasn't volunteering. Well, you know, I'm too old, apparently. The, uh, otherwise, I would have done. Um, you think, why, why would you do that? Why would you do that? It is pretty grim. Why would you do that? Well, obviously you want to be fighting in the, in the hardcore. But it really helps to know what you're getting into. You can't get there and think, it's raining. I tell you what, fella, it's a rainforest. It kind of does that a lot, you know. You, when you're prepared, you just keep going. You've got the information you need to get through it. That is what Jesus is doing here. There will be days of distress. Stand firm. And you'll be saved. Don't be surprised. Stand firm. Uh, then briefly, let's, uh, let's uh, turn to the other bit then. Uh, briefly then. So look forward to Jesus' return. Verses 29 to 31. Look forward. Immediately after the day of distress... Excuse me. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. In other words, what will be the sign, Jesus? You'll know! There won't be any shock about it. You won't have to read about it on the internet or, or have a newsflash. You'll know. It'll be really obvious to the whole world. Don't be deceived between now and then. Uh, I had a little uh, obsession uh, years ago with the CIA. I used to love reading about the CIA. The CIA got neurotic about Fidel Castro. So he takes over Cuba in 59. And in 62, uh, they tried all sorts of things to try and kill Fidel Castro. Snakes in the bed, yes, genuinely. Exploding cigars, yes, genuinely. Uh, they lined his wetsuit with poison. They tried all sorts of things to kill the man off. In 1962, here was the brilliant plan. Let's get all the churches that are supportive of the USA to preach. Jesus is coming back next week. Jesus is coming back next week. So every church that would, would preach that. And then they got a load of uh, um, battleships in the area to fire all sorts of fireworks over the island. Look, Jesus is coming back. No, it'd be more obvious than that, he's saying here. You'll really know. You'll absolutely know when that time has come. And so verse 29, in the language of Isaiah, it'll be absolutely dramatic. 
in the language of Daniel 7, you'll see the Son of Man coming on clouds. In the language of Zechariah 12, the nations will mourn. Those who've rejected Jesus will mourn. He will come on the clouds of the sky. This coming language, Perusia language, it's the language used in secular books of a king entering a state for a, you know, a, on a state visit. So a king would arrive in a, in a city or a town that belonged to him with great pomp and great ceremony. Jesus will come with pomp and ceremony. When we were out in Brunei, it was the uh, sultan's 69th birthday. He's a dictator, but a benevolent one. And uh, in the week of his birthday, he visits uh, major towns and cities all, for a week. And he arrives and gets out of his car and hands out $100 bills. That's a bit better than a little shaky from Queenie, isn't it? He gives you a $100 bill. He just, I mean, he, I mean he's worth gazillion pounds. Uh, so it's peanuts to him. But that's nice. It's nice when he comes. Jesus, you don't get a hunt. When Jesus comes, he takes his people to be with him in glory. You'll know. It's the end of this world and this world remade. Absolutely wonderful. Let me gather these, uh, the chapter up in these three little summary things. Three little summaries. Don't be deceived. Don't be distressed. Do look forward. Don't be deceived, verse 4. Don't be deceived, verse 23. Don't believe it, he says. Don't be deceived, verse 26. Don't believe. Don't be gullible, says Jesus. You can be deceived, according to this chapter, in two ways. You can uh, follow false prophets, or you can follow false dreams. Don't be taken in by every teacher who stands up and says Jesus is coming back or live an easy the Christian life is an easy life you go from one degree of pleasure and glory to another don't be deceived if you believe that sort of thing you'll give up you'll fall away don't be deceived by the false prophet but don't be deceived by the false dream either which is right at the beginning of the chapter don't be too impressed with the temple Jesus told his disciples Because your unwisely chosen idols will tumble at some point. And if you've invested too much in them, you'll be crushed. When the temple was destroyed, for many Jews, the the world ended. So don't be too impressed. Don't be too impressed with religious buildings of London. I'm not sure any of you are. Don't be too impressed with the commercial institutions of London. Some of us probably are. Don't be too impressed with the cultural triumphs of a city such as London and invest too much in them because they will crumble and fall, says Jesus. Don't be deceived, is his first little summary. But don't be distressed, secondly, verse 6. Don't be alarmed, verse 13. Stand firm to the end. Verse 25. I've told you ahead of time. Expectations matter. You have theological sanity. Then you have emotional stability. One leads to the other. Uh, back in Borneo in the summer, one, uh, one uh, day, uh, his friend Jody, who's the, uh, the colonel out there, said, right, we're going for a jungle walk. You need to experience it. Yeah, all right, fine. Um, and uh, so, okay, we've got to get kitted out. Uh, you know, cover every inch of your flesh. Oh, you are joking, really? It's really hot. You know, it's 80% humidity. You know, there's some paths, aren't there? Can't we wear shorts? No. Cover everything. Tuck everything in. You know, that's all right. I like doing that. But the, um, uh, you know, the... 
you know, hat, cover it in deet, sweat rags round your head. I think, oh, come on, we look like some sort of Hollywood pastiche of uh, a soldier uh, dressed up like this. You know, massive rucksacks. Oh, we've got all this on about water. Oh. So I was a bit grumpy and thinking, this is a bit over the top, isn't it? Half hour into the jungle, I'm a sweat rag off, wringing it out. I'm just sweating so much. It's really hot and disgusting when you're in the middle of the jungle. And at that point, when he, when he, okay, he did say it was going to be quite hard work. Matters. Have your expectations right, it matters. And of course, when every tree kind of looks the same as every other tree in the middle of the jungle, having the bloke who knows what he's on about, being with him, he says the world's going to look a bit like this. And it is. But you've got him with you. and He'll take you through. It's great. That is great. Don't be distressed. And lastly, do look forward. Do look forward to his return. I have to say, when um, went on this jungle trek, there was meant to be a couple of hours and ended up being a little bit longer. So actually everyone was getting a little bit... Uh, but what keeps you going? Not only, well, okay, we've been told it was hard. Not only, okay, we've got the bloke who knows what he's on about with us, but also the fact that when we emerged, we were going to stay in a really nice five-star hotel with uh, fabulous, you know, white cotton sheets and showers with multiple jets uh, and, uh, you know, fabulous uh, cuisine, magnificent sort of stuff. And you think, okay, well, this is a bit sweaty, but it'll be delicious uh, when we get that helps. Of course that helps. If it was just the jungle for the rest of my life, you know, you give up. But it's not. And Jesus says, "This stand firm in days of distress. But this isn't it. You do know that. I will return. I'll gather you up and take you not to a hotel, take you home. In my father's house, there are many rooms, he'll say elsewhere, John 14. I'll take you home. And home is the most wonderful place, isn't it? It's the place we're valued, not for our stuff, what we've got, not for our achievements, what we've done, but just because we're loved, because we're family. And Jesus says, I'll take you home to be with me, to be with my Father. It will be magnificent. More of that next week. So don't be deceived. Don't be distressed. Look forward. Be very, very wonderful when we get there. I know we doubt it sometimes. Really, is it going to be worth it? Yeah, yeah. Don't compare, says says Paul the sufferings of this world to the glory to come. Magnificent. Keep looking forward, says Jesus. Let's pray together. Our Father, for most of us, I think if we're honest... We'd much rather be told, become a Christian and life is straightforward and the road is straight and it gets easier and easier and easier as we get older. But life is not like that. And you love us far too much to let us live in that deception. So thank you for the blunt, clear warning of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would we hear him? Would we not be distressed by the uh, the wars the falsehood of this world. But would we therefore have confidence in him and look forward to being with him 
forever with you in glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.